Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Just a second, I thought you were naked, then I realized these were pink leggings. Put her leg up, and I was like, okay, so it's all time. No pants? That's cool. You told me I could be comfortable, right? Hello and welcome to Crush the Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Networks. I'm Kirsten Lyons and I'm joined by my co-host and cousin, Erin Reedersdorf. And today, before we invite Tori on our podcast, and her story is wild, guys. It involves a broken bone. It involves COVID. <laughs> it involves being stuck at sea for two months. It private involves, planes. <laughs> involves private planes, uh, Dubai, India, all kinds of countries. and Fairfax, Virginia. Fairfax, Virginia. Guys, get ready. But first, we have someone I'm so excited to welcome back. Bring it back. Um, you know her. You love her. She <laughs> is Dominique White. <laughs> so Dom put up like, you know, this is this TikTok. Have you guys seen it? Rachel Hollis. And I don't have TikTok because I'm going to be real honest. I'm not, I cannot be trusted with TikTok. I don't have the self-control to be no. able to. Have to- <laughs> I have enough issues with like Instagram. Like I no. Like I, I would lose my family. I would probably be in a hole somewhere. Like my experience with Rachel Hollis was, you know, it was really marketed towards my age range, specifically women who are you know, somewhat vulnerable to this self-help, you can have it all message, you know? It- I don't like motivational speaking. I don't, we have to remember that motivation is a feeling and feelings are fleeting. And so when we realize that motivation is a feeling, you stop seeking it out because it's only temporary. can't get you very far. You got to listen to Crush the Podcast. <laughs> you can learn, plug, so you can learn how other people actually dealt with their trauma and not tried to act like it never happened and just push through it. So Mm. just focus on like your health and your well-being and do better. Like everything is like, do better. If you would just be better and do better, you work harder. Yeah. And it's just like, you're coming from a really privileged background to be capable of even saying those words. You don't know Mm. what I've been through. It's not as simple as, and I think that's where a lot of people just in the race conversation in general, they lack empathy. Kind of drives me bananas about this whole thing is that not only are you dealing with extremely sensitive topics that I don't believe Rachel Hollis has any um, education in or has pursued that, um, but also like there isn't one way to do something. But I think that's what, that's kind of what she wants the attention for. Yeah. Almost in a way of like, because what can I sell? If I can't sell my brand of how I did it and you can too, then what, what are, how are you going to make money? Then she just has a memoir about how she got really successful. I, you well, know, the killer part about it is I low key do wake up at 4 a.m., but I know <laughs> I'm just not Rachel Hollis, you know? So I just, um, and, and I think that that's what it does. It's like ultimately when we send that message to people, we ultimately say that. To the people who start believing you and then try out the things you do, when they don't make it, then what? It's it's devastating. It's it, it's, it's also devastating. They're like you have to be the problem at that point. Oh. You followed the formula, mm-hmm. you did everything right, and nothing happened. And then it beca- it's like, well, who's to blame? Well, 
the rejection to that you must have to feel to blame yourself is really horrible. So then, then you see a lot of people rejecting God. You see a lot of people just like, God did this to me. Like he doesn't show me favor or like, why is she better than me in these mm. areas or, or comparison? Like I would, if only I could speak better, if only I could run faster, if only I could do these things, it just turns into this spiral that keeps you a victim of your own trauma because you're having traumatic responses to this formula that you ended up quote unquote failing at. Like, it's just kind of this tragedy when you just believe the lie that this is, there's a right way to life for everyone. And this is how it should go. It's just, we're all two very different, different factors that play into our lives on a day-to-day basis to ever say, this is the right way to do things. Hmm. It's also like, what's the finish line? Yeah. What's, what's making it in her. And I mean, maybe she says it in the book that none of us have read, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, is it, is it wealth? Is it, actually enjoying like is, think, is it just feeling content is it you know moving up in your career if we're being very honest I think it's the it's power yeah, yeah. I think it's I think they want to sell it as empowered right but I think it really is power because all of health wealth success the prosperity gospel if you don't know what we're talking about uh it just means like if you do what if you do x y and z and you are a good person or whatever then you will get Right. And, and, and from a Christian perspective, what's hilarious is the, the gospel, that is not what the gospel is. Like so many people died. Like there was this really funny TikTok. I don't remember who put it up, but it was like this guy. And it was like, if disciples or the apostles were like every sports movie, you know how it's like somebody's throwing a ball slow motion and it's like this person. And it was like, Peter died upside down on a cross and this person, it's just (laughs) I think what's so funny is we have this very skewed relationship with what Christianity is, which then just harms so many people, regardless if you're a Christian or not, like, oh my gosh, it just harms so many people and just hurts exactly what you're saying. You're never good enough. You've messed up. You're it's so twisted and it is toxic. I mean, you know, something that they've been talking about the past few days is how toxic this positivity angle is. And it really is. It's just, You're just constantly like, what is wrong with me? And I can say from a hundred percent that that is what I have been unlearning for 10 years. And and I shared it on this podcast. What is wrong with me? Because that is, I, it had to be something was wrong with me because obviously like all I had other friends. So it had to be that I wasn't pretty enough or it had to be for whatever, because all my other friends were getting all these successes and it didn't matter what I did. It was like, I couldn't even get in the room and it had, so there had to be something inherently wrong with me. And, and that was the thing. And then uh, that's a pair that takes so much more time than mm-hmm. reading 12 chapters in a book one day that spiraled you out of control in the first yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just so it's crazy and it's really toxic. And let's also just acknowledge the fact that wow, her response to privilege was so unempathetic. It was like, yes, I have privilege, but which completely destroyed the point of the privilege part. You could have easily said clean my house, but you chose something degrading to say. 
And I think that goes back to the idea of worth, right? If I'm feeling bad about myself, then I have to compare myself to other people and put, bring them down so I can feel better about myself. Right. So I think, and sometimes we do it so subconsciously. We don't even, I bet you Rachel Hollis believes that she treats the people that clean her house so well. And that's the killer part about it is people have to be careful about who they're paying attention to. When you're following motivational speakers or books or whatever the case may be from someone who needs to be spoken to, the whole point is that you should do your own self-work. That is the true success story. You could come from nothing and stay in nothing. And if you are a healthy, mentally, emotionally, spiritually healthy person, it doesn't matter. I just Then you have peace. Then you have peas and people, I just read this quote and I posted it today on my, I, was ju- I just pulled it up. Cause I was going to read it. Go for it. Don't forget to dress. Is it this one? Yes. Okay. This is from Alexandra Hoover at Alex B Hoover on Twitter. Um, and uh, Dom posted this. I, I, she found it just like she found the Rachel Hollis video. We have one source, one source. (laughs) Comparison is a symptom of idolatry. May we be more concerned with what God called us to than distracted by what he's called others to. When we're looking straight ahead, there's no time to look to the left or the right. I was just talking to somebody about this and I've shared this on the podcast, but my favorite thing my therapist has ever said to me was, why don't you just say, God, give me the grace to see what you want me to see. But I was like, I moved to Burbank because I watched an E! True Hollywood store or E! Entertainment special about this girl called something Regan or Ray, I don't know. She was on the show called Maybe It's Me or Suddenly It's, I don't know. It was on WB for like one year and she had like a special. So I watched it and she worked in Burbank and she moved to Burbank. So that's why I moved to Burbank. I didn't do any other research. I was like, well, she's an actress and she's my age. So I should move to Burbank. That's where I should. I just watched my, I can look back at my life and see how I just made decisions that were never really about just figuring out what was the right thing for me. The gift of that, like, God, give me the grace to see what you want me to see is inviting him, for me. It's inviting him in and yeah. like realizing, which I've said multiple times, like, I don't really know what's good for me. And I think that's what most people on this podcast that we bring on, whether they have, whether they believe in God or not, they're really understanding that like, they don't really have a lot of control. The best thing they can do is kind of lean into that and just be like, okay, what's the next step? Yeah. I think also that it makes a case for the fact that like, obviously there are people who are great motivational speakers. Dom, I'm with you. Like, I think they're kind of, it, it just feels inherently manipulative to me. You know, I feel like that feeling is what you're supposed to get from your community. The people you surround yourself with is who you're supposed to. So they're, they're mirroring back things to, that are personal to you. It's not this general message of like, if you work hard, you'll get it. It's like people that know you and are, are motivating you to achieve your goals that's healthy for you. That's what you're supposed to get from your community, not from these random people who marry Disney execs and then are famous on Instagram. Like that part. That I part. like the, that know you. Right. Because in both instances, what Dom, what Alexandra Hoover was saying and what Dom and God and what you're saying is community. Both of that is that you're known, you're seen and they can pour into you and you can pour into them. And I think the difference is, is that Rachel doesn't know us. She doesn't know any of us. And I would venture to guess, and I say this really humbly, I don't think Rachel knows Rachel. Probably not, honey. This is the thing with these public apologies. I really struggle and I'm still trying to figure this out. 
But I really struggle because ultimately this hits really deep for me when she responded to the privilege aspect of this, because what you just told people that are not privileged is that if they work as hard as you, they could get to where you are, except for the simple fact that a, if they work twice as hard for you, they might not even get to where you started, which is a really tragic loss when you tell people that lie. That's a lie. She doesn't understand the way privilege is being used in this situation. She looks at it as like rewards, which is kind of like, where have you been the last few years? And this is the thing about that is that this is what white people really have to hone in on and focus in. We could both come from the same place. We could both come from poverty and it will still be easier for you to make it happen than for me to make it happen because of the color of your skin, period. The amount of people that you won't have to over explain to, the meetings that won't go twice as long. The fact that when you walk outside to go on a jog at 5 a.m. or I go on a jog at 5 a.m. could end my life if I'm not being cautious versus you just can casually do that. We really have to remember everybody has privilege, right? Being born in America, we have privilege. It was Marie Beachman. She said, privilege isn't the, per- isn't the presence of perks and benefits, it's the absence of obstacles and barriers. And it was long. That, yes, that's exactly what I was trying to say. That's the perfect way to say it. Acknowledging your privilege is vulnerable because you have to acknowledge that solely the work that you put in didn't get you to where you are. And that's really hard because you want to say that it was fully me who did this because you did experience some hardship getting there. And so to acknowledge your privilege would be to acknowledge how some of it was given to you. You know, I have this platform and I get to speak at conferences and I get to, I have my adoption filmed and I get to be on this podcast. Why do I get to do that over other birth moms? It's, I have to first acknowledge that it's not because I'm cooler than them. (laughs) Like, no, you are pretty cool. I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty cool. But it does suck to say, like, I have to acknowledge that, like, no, my privilege got me a seat on this podcast. Like, what humility that takes. Going back to, like, it's vulnerable to say, (laughs) exactly, I didn't, I didn't do this all myself. And it is such a balance of, like, acknowledging you have worked hard. I hope Rachel Hollis does, um, I don't mean get schooled, but I hope she gets educated. I really yeah. do because I think it, wow, what could it like do for other women that are following her? She mm-hmm. lost a lot of followers, but she still has, a, I think 1.6 million. So there's a 1.6 million women that are watching her right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think they're all hate watching her. I think a lot of women are watching her and they love her and they want to learn from her. So my mm-hmm. hope and prayer and all of this is that they still can learn from her yeah. because she's learning. I, I don't want to, I don't ever want to cancel. I heard something and I I think it was something to do with the bachelor and everything that happened with the bachelor, but I could be completely wrong. It could have been somebody else, but it was saying like, we don't want cancel culture. We want council culture. Absolutely. And I loved that because my hope is, is that what she does have a platform. She does have that privilege like you were talking about. And what could that do for all these women that are watching her right now? At the end of the day, what I really want you, who I want you to apologize to is all of the minorities in your life to your house cleaners, to your daughter, 
Mm. Um, to all of the people who were hurt by you and are close enough to you that you can go to them in person and sit down with them. And you really need to just focus on those people. Like public apologies are great. They're, they're like good for you. And they might do something for some people. But I think that so often we so are focused on the reactive portion to something that we messed up in instead of really like it doesn't show just because you put you like how do I know that's not your marketing team telling you to apologize like it does nothing it's not about she I think people just want to get the ickiness away they want to get the uncomfortable away they don't want to sit in the grossness of what just happened and that is hard exactly I want to see you change like I want to see in the way I want to see change in the way you speak I don't want to take a moment of praise for you apologizing. And then we all just go back to listening to your really skewed message. I want you to change your message. That's apologetic. That's empathetic. That's Daniel Tiger. That's Daniel Tiger. I'm sorry. Now the next question is, how can I make it better? How can I make it better? Saying you're sorry is the first step. Then how can I help? I can do that. You're welcome, everyone. You're welcome. Um, Dom, thank you so much. Thank you for like, first of all, thank you for posting it originally because I wouldn't have known because the only reason I'm cool or keep up to date with anything via TikTok, 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 is because of you, Aaron, my friend, Vanessa, and my new friend, Claire, who we interviewed last week. That's the only reason I know anything cool or... Carboni is a professional dancer turned certified personal trainer with a passion for helping others find their happy and healthy self. Tori, welcome to Crush the Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being on. Yeah, go um, of course. Should we say Tori? I don't know Tori. No, I know Tori. This is my <laughs> first guest that like I know personally. Oh my gosh, I feel so honored. I know. <laughs> it's a big deal. Big day. Okay, really quickly. In sync. Backstreet Boys, or you are young, so you could do a write-in. I will allow it. So I am young, but I'm the youngest of four kids. So I have older siblings. Mm -hmm. And they would be very angry at me if I didn't choose one of the two. So I have to say NSYNC. (gasps) Nice. I know. Corey, not only you are Aaron's friend, but now you're mine. (laughs) Oh, yay. (laughs) No, I just remember like high school. I used to sit in my friend Sarah's car <laughs> every day before school and we'd like rap and beatbox the entire song of pop. As one does. Song. Do you have a video of that that you could share with our crush listeners? Oh God, I wish I did. Oh. You know what? Sarah saves everything so I can probably text her. <laughs> Sarah, 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 please. Um, okay. So you're mash 12 years old, your perfect mash. What was it going to be? I knew I wanted to be in New York city. I wanted to be on Broadway. That okay. was like the big dream. I feel like that's the only thing I knew the dancers did when I was right, younger. Right. Like it was either that, or you were like on a commercial for Trident toothpaste. Like that was your options. <laughs> yeah. So I went for the, I went for Broadway. Um, and it's still, it's still the dream. So we're still going to go for it someday. Who are you going to marry? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was like the cutest one. She like put her little hand up to her mouth and was like, <laughs> like, like I feel like no one ever chooses him but I was like so in love with him when I was younger 
I don't even know if you're gonna know him. Josh Hutchinson. Yes. <gasps> okay, he was like wait, my Pita baby and crush. Hunger Games. Yes, wait. I'm about to blow your mind with a movie because it takes place all in the city. It's called okay. Little Manhattan, and it is a ten year old boy falls in love with an older woman. She's eleven. Oh. <laughs> Guys, when I say this is like, I haven't seen this movie in so long, but I watched it. I watched it so many times. I love, oh, it's so sweet. It it actually like that movie is our podcast in a nutshell. Like how he cries about how in love with her he is. Oh my gosh. I'm so sweet. I'm thinking about right now. We need to, we need to do like a crush podcast where everybody watches it. And then we all have like a, like a forum discussion about it because it's so sweet. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. Okay. So you love Josh Hutcherson. Did you marry Josh Hutcherson? No, not yet. Okay. I always say not yet. I'm like, not married. Okay. Okay. He's still available. I think. Okay. Josh, Joshua, if that's your (laughs) professional name, you let us know. Uh, Okay. So set the stage kind of, did you basically graduate and get an apartment and start auditioning or? Since I was a BA in dance, Mm -hmm. um, I could actually audit a couple of my dance classes. I also went for accounting. So that's what it says on my, on my diploma. <laughs> so wait, it says accounting and dance. Um, no, it's just accounting. Like it was like, you never went for dance. You just, I got, I got to pick one. So I picked one. <laughs> that's, I think out of all the things you could, that's a very smart thing. Cause nobody, when you go into an audition, they're like, let me see your diploma. Does it say exactly. dance? <laughs> no, get out of here. Like, oh, you didn't get a diploma? Yeah. How dare you? (laughs) So the dance program at Marymount is very strict with um, attendance. So like you had to be there every single day or else you like failed. Okay. Um, And I decided to audit my senior year dance classes so that I could go to auditions instead. (laughs) Smart. So yeah. So basically from the last semester of my senior year through graduation day, I was just auditioning at every single thing that I possibly could. Um, Cruise ships, like small dinner theaters in the middle of nowhere, Broadway shows, anything that would see me, I went to. Okay. Um, And I think we should note, like when she says anything that would see me, a lot of times you're just literally, you're just trying to be seen. Broadway and dancing in general is so different. I know we've talked a little bit about acting on here, but it's very different. So what would it like, what would a a dance call look like? So uh, you would probably line up for the audition at about 5.30 or 6 a.m. Okay. And you're all packed into one tiny studio, like a holding studio. And they might wait until like eight or 9 a.m. for the producers to show up or the choreographer to show up and be like, all right, we'll take the first 20 people that showed up and 20 people at a time go into the room. They're in there for maybe like 45 minutes to an hour learning this combo, doing it several times for the like the board of um, directors or choreographer, whoever's there to look at you. And then they send you out of the room they talk about you. They might keep like three or four people in that group. And then they bring the next 20 people in. So you could be there for like 20 minutes if they, if they don't like you. Or, they or you could be there all day. Or you could be there from 6.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Was. And then I would like run back to my accounting classes at school and be like, I'm here. I'm sorry. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So you're auditioning, you're auditioning, and you end up on a cruise. Yes. So my 23rd audition I booked. Yay. That's great. Um, Yeah. So it was my 
second time auditioning for Celebrity Cruise Lines. I was like telling my parents I wasn't going to walk at graduation unless I had a job. Like I refuse. And they're like, please walk at graduation. You worked so hard for this. So, so I walked at graduation. I was very upset about You're it. You're like, I'm an accountant. <laughs> I'm an accountant. I was so, I was so sad. And then that Monday after, um, my graduation, I got an email saying, what's your availability? And I was like, oh my God, I was like crying. <laughs> By the um, way, the what's your availability York. is the best call and or email ever. Like yeah. in acting a lot, and I don't know, they do this in dancing, they'll, they'll call them, what's put you on a veil. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you've booked the job. They could put two people on a veil. I've been put on a veil and the part has been, they've totally rewritten the script overnight. And then the part gets written out. Like, yeah, but beat, it doesn't matter. Being put on a veil is like, it's like remembering that you had the best date of your life. You're like, oh, oh right. I put on, I'm on a veil. <laughs> it's, it's honestly, I was crying on the streets of New York. I like called my mom. I was like, mom, they want to know when I'm available. She's like, okay, email them back. Why are you talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay. Like you're coming to Miami in June, get your medical all set up and we're going. I was like, what are the contracts? Like, are they like year, six months, three months? Like, yeah, it really depends. Um, the first one I did was a, it's always two months in Miami for rehearsals. So you, okay. you were in there six days a week eight hours a day from like 9am to six, you're learning all the shows. There's usually like four or five theme nights, which are just like 20 minute shows that you'll do in one of the lounges. And then there are three or four book shows that you're like learning every single dance number, every single thing. And then like showing to the other cast that are there, showing to the office that's there um, and making sure it like looks good enough to go to the ship. Um, All meanwhile, like you're trying to, stay in shape and eat and <laughs> remember oh the steps and like yeah it's it that's the like biggest part of the entire contract is that two months in Miami okay um, and then once you get on the ship it's like wow life is so nice this is I'm just traveling and I'm dancing whenever they ask me to so yeah um when you're on the ship it can range from like a five-month contract to a 10-month contract. My first contract was wonderful. And I was like, well, this is what it's like to have a dream job. Like, I love this. And then my second contract was (laughs) a mess. (laughs) (laughs) But no, really, I had like, I had great friends on that cast. I loved the shows that I did. They were super demanding. They were so high high intensity. Mm. Um, But I loved that sort of dancing. And I Mm -hmm. loved the audiences that we had. We were in um, Asia during the time. So I got to see like all of Japan, um, Thailand, Taiwan. It was like one of the best experiences. Wow. Yeah. So I'm re- I was really quite crushed when, when yeah, this so, happened. Yeah. So kind of go, go give us, give us the scoop. What happened? Yeah, oh, give me <laughs> a scoop. Leading up to this time, I, I guess I got to that point where I was, I mean, in Miami, you're working t- like eight hour days. I was going to the gym cause I wanted to be like super strong and I wanted to be a dancer who lifted. And I, um, I was kind of taking a toll on my body and not eating enough. Um, mm-hmm. and I didn't know this at the time. I just was like, Oh, like I feel great. I look great. This is the best I've ever felt in my life. Um, turns out I was severely lacking calcium in my bones. I'm lactose uh. intolerant. So I wasn't having a lot of lactose in mm-hmm. my body and the calcium was really down. So, uh, we were in the Beijing sea we had a show. The cruise director came back and he said, um, it's a really rocky night. Do you guys feel comfortable doing the show? And we're like, uh, yeah, 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 we'll be fine. It's totally, it's totally okay. We took off our heels. Usually we dance in heels. We took them off and we wore flats. Everything was going to be fine. 
and about four numbers into the show I'm on stage I'm actually singing at this point I'm not even dancing let's just (laughs) and the boat rocks and I roll over the side of my foot and I cracked the fifth metatarsal of my foot um I I knew right away that something had happened I had never felt pain like that I had never broken a bone in my entire life and I just remember my partner catching me and me being like I don't know what just happened but something and I was like shaking still singing like oh my gosh also, side note, I broke my foot while singing Don't Go Breaking My Heart, which if it's like, <laughs> if that was not a sign, I don't know what it is. So oh my gosh. I was like, one, if this isn't a sign for a song, and two, this is a sign I should not be a singer. Um, two, big, <laughs> two big signs. So of course, I like finish the scene. I like run off stage and I'm the only one on that side of the stage and I have a quick change. So there's no time to tell anyone. There's no stage staff or crew right there. So I can't, I'm just changing myself and like running back on stage and being like, I can't, I I have to go on. So I go to the next scene. I finish that scene. I'm coming off and I'm just bawling my eyes out. I'm like, I'm told my dance captain. I was like, I, something is wrong with my foot. I don't know what I did. She's like, can you do this next number? And then we'll figure it out. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so I went back on stage. I did the another show must number. go on. She's a professional people. You are literally listening to a professional. <laughs> I went back on stage. I was like, try not to cry. Try to look like you're okay. And I came off stage and I was like, there's no possible way that I can do these next two dance numbers they're the biggest ones in the entire show and I can't do it so they like reblocked it mid show they finished that section without me and I'm a main character in this show so I have to be on for the finale like there's no way that I can't just show up so I'm doing the entire finale like on one foot kind of like hopping around my partner's just like lifting me up and throwing me around um like I like took a bow like as a piggyback like it was like it was a whole it was a whole thing and that was the 7 p.m show so we still had a 9 p.m show and I was like I can do it I'm totally fine I fit and they're like you're going to the medical center you're an idiot someone carried me to the medical center um and the doctor was after hours so he just didn't care he was like here's an ankle brace you'll be fine okay he sounds fun (laughs) he was he was a lovely sir yes um and then the next day I went back to the medical center and I was like it's it's way it's way worse than my like an ankle brace and they took an x-ray and they're like yeah you fractured your foot I was so in shock (laughs) I was like no no I didn't and they're like yeah yeah you did we're going to send you off the ship to a doctor. So that's what they do on ships. And so I got off the ship in Taiwan, I think, like three days later. Like that's the next time we docked. <laughs> I had a translator with me who was like, okay, yeah, he says that you fractured your foot and you and you won't be able to dance for four months. And I was like, <gasps> he said what? And I'm just crying again, just like bawling my eyes out. And get back to the ship. I tell my cast that I'm leaving. They book me a flight home from Hong Kong and I had a like 24 hour travel day back to Virginia with my Please family. Please tell me at that point. Did you, you have, have crutches? crutches? Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes. At this point I was like, well, also I had like four suitcases cause you're just bringing your whole life on the ship with you. So I had a walking boot. They gave me a boot to go home in and all of my luggage with a broken foot. Oh and my to gosh. Get home. What was the moment that it like really hit you almost like what this would mean for your time on the ship. Cause I feel like you, like you said, you were in such shock. And then even those three days before you go to the doctor, you're probably convincing yourself like, Oh, it feels better today. You know? 
Yeah, there were several times where I was like, oh, please, like next show, I'll be able to do it. I'm this is not broken. I'm totally fine. Um, But I'm pretty sure it was when that translator said, oh, yeah, he says you can't dance for four months. And I said, I can't. Are you sure? Like, there's nothing there's nothing else. Yeah, that was definitely my crush moment when that translator turned to me and said that. I think what's so interesting about that too is it's like sometimes it's like we've convinced ourselves it's not that bad, right? And it takes a person to be like, no, no, what's actually happening here is this. And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you go home, you you recoup. Do you have to then audition again? Like, how does that work? No, luckily a lot of cruise lines have really great medical benefits which you are blessed by when you're on the ship and if you get injured on the job which I did because it was during a show time and I was clocked in I was working right um I was covered for the entire stint of um being injured good job celebrity uh, cruises honestly shout out to them for that because that was like the best of all situations actually as soon as I got cleared they invited me back to the ship and my cast was still there. So I got to finish the contract with my cast oh. for the last two months. Oh yeah. my That's God. Awesome. That's yeah. <laughs> but wait, there's more. But wait, <laughs> but wait. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Um, so I did, I was gone for exactly four months. Okay. Um, I left the ship November 18th and I returned March 18th. And I, and that had- was 2019. You returned March Yes, of 2019. So I had two months until the contract ended. So I got to finish it with the cast. And yeah, it was like, it was the best return ever. It was like my epic comeback. I was so happy with it. (laughs) I love that. Was there confetti? Did they throw confetti on you? (laughs) (laughs) There was no confetti, but there were lots of signs. And like when I was walking down the, we call it the I-95, like the Uh Um, crew area like uh-huh. the hallway that we walked down um when I was walking down there people were like oh my gosh you're back it's so nice to see like any crew member that saw you I was like oh, oh. yeah it was it was the best super happy to be back I'm like living my best life back on ships um I got a third contract and this one was going to be like all over Asia and I was going to go to India and Singapore and Dubai it was so cool it was such the like it was such a good contract um, so I started rehearsals for that in August. We got mm-hmm. on the ship right around um, Halloween time of 2019. And then we were supposed to be on the ship until August of 2020. Um, so we- Spoiler were, alert. <laughs> spoiler alert, we weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we got about halfway through the contract. Uh-huh. And then slowly but surely, our ports started being canceled. So we were going between Dubai and Singapore. And eventually, Singapore didn't allow ships anymore. And we're like, oh, I wonder what's going on. Because like, really, when you're on ships, you're you're off the grid. You are in your own world. It's just you, you and the ship, you really don't watch the news. So I really had no idea what was going on. Then Thailand got canceled. Then we couldn't go to Sri Lanka. And we're like, what? Okay. So we we had like three cruises from Dubai to India to back to Dubai. When did you start to be like, what, like, do you Google? Like, I guess, yeah. What What is kind of your, like, are you still waiting for the pigeon to bring your letter? Like what exactly? <laughs> So actually the dancer or like at the cast mm-hmm. is always friends with people all around the ship. Okay. So we started hearing from people who lived in the Philippines being like, oh, like I've heard about this going around my country. And we're like, oh, what's going on around the 
country. And then I was actually talking to our art director. What is happening? And he was like, have you not heard about this? It's all over the news. And we're like, what's all over the news? So then all of us went to go watch the news and we were like, oh my God oh my gosh, what is happening? Like, but once we got to India that last time, it was like March 9th, I think. Um, All of us were like, oh, it's great. And then India was like, no, you have to leave. And we were like, "Um, well, where where else do we go? We've been going between Dubai and India. So we're like, so what, we just stay in Dubai? Like we had no idea what we were going to do. And we were able to talk to the, me, like I'm talking, like I talked to the Indian government, (laughs) the captain of the ship, (laughs) talked to the Indian government. We're like, give us three days. We'll send home all of our guests. And they were like, okay, you have three days. So the guests were packing up their bags and slowly like shipped back to wherever they came from. Um, And all the crew were just like, all right, you guys are going to stay. So just like have three days in India and then come back and we're going to get on the ship and we're just going to sail. And lucky for us, like we had the best three days in India. It was the Holi festival. So like we got oh, to like wow. throw colors in the air, yeah! cover ourselves and paint. Strangers are touching our face. We're like, what's COVID? <laughs> <laughs> but we got back on the ship the day after and they were like, all right, we have no idea where we're going, but all crew has to stay on board. Were you terrified or were you, you just didn't even know how to feel? Honestly, at that point, we had no idea what this was. We thought that two weeks later, we would sail to somewhere and we'd all get sent home. Um, I mean, everybody was, did, right? That's like, yeah. Holy is like, right? Like mid, mid-March, mid early to mid-March. So yeah. at this time, everybody's just kind of, I mean, when we left Brooklyn, we were like joking that it would be eight weeks. <laughs> but we basically had two weeks to enjoy the ship. And we yeah. were like, this is the best life. Why would we ever want to leave this? And then we sailed through the Suez Canal, which like funny right now is blocked, but um, we got up to the Mediterranean Sea. We got to Greece and all of the captains and the um, engineers and people are Greek on ships. So we're like, we have an inn in Greece. We're totally fine. We got there and they said, absolutely no one is allowed off. Um, So all of us were like, so now what? So basically they like, shoved food into our storage unit and they were like sail out for four weeks and come back if you need a replacement what did you do like what did you do on the ship (laughs) well actually at this time uh they were giving away like free internet to all of us because we used to have to pay for it um and they were just like well, like talk to your families. Cause like, you don't know what's going on. So with the free internet, I talked to my family and I purchased a online training course to become a personal trainer. I always loved training my cast. I was the dance captain. So I liked to like warm them up. I like to give like free workouts and stuff. So I was like, might as well like use the time that I have to do something. You're the person that online course. I was the person. (laughs) Everybody was like, I'm going to learn French. I'm going to learn. She did it. She actually did it. I did it. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it was like a nice thing to have during the day. So I would just sit in our little coffee shop on the ship and I had my laptop open. I would take notes and um, like just study it myself. And eventually that got boring. So it would maybe last like two hours in the morning and then I would go do other things. Um, Okay. So wait, how long did this last? 59 days. (gasps) Um, Yeah, we were out there from March 
11th or 12th through May 8th. So those of you who didn't major in accounting, 59 days is (laughs) one day shy of two months. Yes, one day shy of two months. Um, Oh my gosh. And eventually by that point, we had been told so many times that we were going home that all of us didn't believe it. So we didn't pack our bags. We we were just like, oh yeah, we'll just wait until the last moment and then we'll like figure all this out. Eventually, like one morning they were like, all right, like these countries get to go home. I mean, none of us had been off the ship. None of us had ever had to wear a mask. None of us had ever had... And like outside experience, no one on the sh- our ship was sick either. Like oh, no one God. had, I know we never had to go through the quarantine on our ship because there, there were other ships that were, yeah. um, so we really were blinded by this. They sent all of the crew on one bus to oh the airport. As soon as we got to the airport, they like took us straight to the tarmac and just like put us on a plane Okay, and they flew us all from, um, Greece to the UK. We got to London. We had to stay in a hotel overnight because our all of our flights were the next morning. And we got an email at 4 a.m. Only the Americans, the CDC, had told us that we weren't allowed to get on the flight. So yeah, we were locked down in London for five days in some random airport hotel. And then they had to charter flights from London to the United States for like the 15 Americans that were there. When we landed in JFK, they drove us all home. But one person was like in Idaho. So it was like 21 hours. One person was in like Houston, Texas. So it was like a day and a half. Like everyone eventually got home, but it took forever. And we got, we got into like the the cars to go home. I just remember the guy being like, Hey, like, where are you, where are you coming from? And I was like, uh, the ocean. <laughs> like I, <laughs> like, I felt like that fish in finding Nemo. That's like, Oh, the ocean, the ocean. Like <laughs> I was, I was like, I, I don't even know where I've been. And then I got home and I was like, do I need to quarantine for my family? Like I really, I didn't know what it was like. I was wearing a mask and gloves in my house. <laughs> so I got home. Um, I took a little break from studying for personal training. I was just kind I of- I think that's a wise decision. <laughs> I really wasn't doing anything anymore. I was just kind of happy to be on land, getting my land legs back, as we say. And so I took probably a month off to kind of be like, okay, just, just understand what's going on right now. It kind of does- suck being a dancer at this point I tried as soon as I got home I did try the whole like zoom dance classes um all of the New York studios are still having their teachers come in they teach a zoom class you take it at home but I mean my entire house is carpet and dancing on carpet is so different than dancing at a studio I really like don't have the square space I felt like I was just like crowding my family when I was dancing in the living room so I I just kind of gave up on that um, pretty quickly. And I know a lot of dancers that I've talked to are in that same boat. They're just like, it's just not the same. And I can't Mm. do it. And there are choreographers coming out being like, we know how tough it is. So like, don't feel bad about this time and stepping away and like focusing on your craft in a different way. Cause we will, we will be back and the studios will reopen and you will be able to dance and be sweaty around other people and it will be (laughs) okay again. And is there a part of you that like, I just can't physically like emotionally, like do you, do you miss it so much? Yeah, there's definitely a part of me that I felt like I have been missing for Mm. 
um, as like a year now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I've gone through several moments in the past couple of months where I've just been so sad and so lost because I felt like I've lost a part of me that was a dancer because I've been dancing since I was three. I'm 26 now. Right. So for 22 years, I was just dancing all the time, every single day. I like, I would miss football games at high school because I would go and dance for hours and I like never partied. I would dance. <laughs> Remember one time I was like, why aren't you on dance team? Like, you're so good. And you're like, I don't have time for that. Like, <laughs> I'm a, You're like, there's dance team and then there's dance team. And I'm a dancer. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a huge part of who you are, a massive part of who you are. Yeah. And I've had a lot of friends in the same boat or doing the same things as me and being like, we're all in this together. It's going to be okay. But I do How still very Zac that. Efron and Vanessa Hudgens of you. We are all in this together. We are all in this together. <laughs> so imagine it's, it's a year from now, life is normal what do you, what do you see for yourself? Where do you see yourself? So I always said that I would do three ships and that was kind of my closing and parting with ships. So I do, I do plan to move back to New York city. I do plan to continue on with my personal training business because I love it. And I love helping these people. And honestly, I've like, I've grown to have a passion for this as well as dance, which I'm so lucky to have found another passion during a pandemic. Um, and what a gift that is. I think, you know, sometimes when we have these crushed moments, it, it is so hard because it's like, but this is what I spend my time doing, or this is the person I was with or whatever is the moment that, that the loss happened or what you wanted didn't happen. And it's so hard. And when you have that kind of like next chapter of, wow, wait, I'm as passionate about this, or I care about this as much as that other thing. It's such a, it's such a gift. And it still feels so new and I still feel like I'm, I'm lost at times, Mm. but then I remember that I danced for 22 years and I felt lost a lot of that time too. And what a great, like a reminder to yourself. Yeah. I danced for 22 years and I felt lost and I danced for 22 years. Like I have to give myself some grace that I've been doing this for a few months, you know? Yeah. Like not even a year. I think my anniversary of like buying the package to become a personal trainer <laughs> was like a year ago today or something like that. So oh, yeah. <laughs> Can I throw confetti at you? Thank you. I've always wanted confetti. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so literally like a year, I only launched my business three months ago. So I'm still learning on, and everyone is different. Every client is different. No program is the same. I feel like I'm constantly shifting from like side to side on how I'm helping people. And just which is very out. much like a dancer. Which, wow. Still using movement just in new ways. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely still do want to pursue my dream of being a professional dancer. I'm not done yet. I don't want to be done. And I have been training in the gym in different ways to up my strength. Um, mm. and I'm still stretching. So I still, I'm like flexible and I can still do things. And I know that if I'm strong, I can do lifts. If someone needed me to do a lift with a like with a man, or if I needed to lift another human, I could do it. So I feel confident in my body and my strength that when dance does come back, I will pick it back up. I want to go back to, cause you said when you, when you said you broke your foot and you realized you were calcium deficient, right. Or low in calcium, how full circle is that to what you're doing now? When I figured that out, 
I was also having many like hormonal issues. I like, mm. I had lost my period. I had, everything was just kind of Do you have PCOS? I, you know, I Kirsten don't know. loves to diagnose people with PCOS. It's her favorite thing. <laughs> First of all, I don't diagnose you, Erin. You're the one, I thought you had endometriosis. So <clears throat> second of all, no, it's just our, one of our previous guests has PCOS. I get excited because I have PCOS. Ooh, maybe it's a PCOS party. (laughs) (laughs) With confetti. Like, (laughs) I don't want it. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't want it either. Now, like coming full circle, I have Mm. reverse dieted myself, which I'm actually Mm. doing with many of my clients. So I went from eating like 1500 calories when I broke my foot and now I'm eating like 2,500 calories a day. So really just like reverse dieting myself up, gaining weight because I wasn't healthy at the weight that I was at and being okay with that is still iffy sometimes just because as a dancer, you want to be like the smallest I can possibly be. I have to be able to be lifted. I have to be able to like move as fast as possible. It's not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm learning. And that's also what's happening in the dance world. Like you don't have to be the tiniest anymore. If you Mm. dance and you love what you do, it doesn't really matter what you look like. And I think that's more beautiful than trying to be as small as you can. I remember the first day of PT, they were like, okay, walk for us. And I like had forgotten how to walk on my left foot. Wow. Um, and then four weeks later, I was like, oh, I am nailing everything they need me to do. I've been standing on one foot for forever. <laughs> they brought in a PT who was previously a dancer and she had me start doing like dance jumps. She was like, all right, like saute over to the side and like glissade side over to one. And I couldn't do any of it. And I was just sobbing. <laughs> I was like, oh. wait, I thought I was better. And she was like, you are better. You just have to relearn what you had. And I just brought tears to my eyes. Oh, I think also what's so beautiful about that is that I think sometimes in our healing process, and obviously we're talking about a physical healing here, but I think sometime in our healing process, we get to a point and we're like, I'm doing it. I'm better. Like, I remember my friend, she went through a really terrible breakup. Her, they were about to get engaged. And she basically said to him, she goes, if you're going to call this off, possibly don't do it. Like, I do not want to be Kirsten. Like, I don't want to go through with Kirsten went through. And they ended up calling it off. And I remember she was doing really well after a few months. She was like, Kirsten, I'm all better. Like, it's great. And I go, listen, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I need you to know if, if you do have moments where you, you wake up and you're just really sad or you cry or whatever, don't beat yourself up and just know that like, it's totally normal. And that is actually part of the healing process. And like, what a visual of you, this professional dancer who, you know, is in pain and broke her metatarsal and like is dancing still is, is like, no, I'm all better. And then they're like, do this. I don't know the dance terminology, a step ball change. And, uh, and there you go. You're welcome. And a grudge or something. I don't know. There you go. Maybe that's ice skating. I don't know. Okay. Um, and, and you're like, what? No, I, uh, just that I can't imagine. Yeah. Um, and as soon as they cleared me to dance again, I went to go take a dance class and I was just so rocky. I was like, oh gosh, like, okay, it's going to take a minute. It's going to be okay. And then I just remember asking my dance studio owner, the one that I had grown up dancing at, I'd been there for like 16 years before I left. And I was like, can I just use a studio? I need to run through these dances if I'm going to go back to the ship. And she was like, absolutely take it. No one's there in the daytime. And I went in and I turned on the music and I just tried to remember the choreography. It was still in my body. It was so muscle memory that I could, I still had it in there. And I'd watched the tapes many times, but I just remember 
after like one of the numbers I just sat on the floor and just bawled because I was like Mm. I can't believe I'm doing this one like I'm back I'm back I feel like I'm back I'm not but I'm I'm almost there but also it was just so overwhelming to have like sat down for four months and not been able to do it to all of a sudden be like you did it like you you got you got back like you're gonna you're gonna get back and I just remember being like I can't I can't believe it I can't believe I got here like just being so proud of myself but also like there's still so far to come yeah it's it's not to quote Taylor Swift or anything but it's that moment when you're like I'm out of the woods no seriously yeah like I'm out of it I'm through the thick of it there's only it's downhill from here and that's such a moment and that's beautiful wow I think sometimes when we have crush moments, if we haven't had crush moments before that crush moment, it's so devastating. But like you at this point, know you've already been through something, you know how strong you are. You know that you can do it. And, and that doesn't mean that it's going to be exactly the way it was. It just means that you're going to be okay and you can do it. And I think that's so like, I don't know, energizing or yeah, it's just like rejuvenating. <laughs> what a beautiful thing to be able to say in those moments when the PT came in and she's like, okay, do this. And you're like, what? I thought I was all better. And like, there are going to be moments as, as we all enter back into this year, you know, into real life where it's gonna be like, I, I thought everything was okay. And now it's not. And it's almost like coaching yourself to remind yourself that it's still little baby steps, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. All right. So if you could go back and tell your 12 year old self anything. Probably to just, just be yourself. <laughs> Trust mm. your gut. Yeah. Don't try and be somebody that you're not. Cause it just comes off as disingenuous. You're not being who you authentically are. And people, people who like you for who you are, are the people that you want in your life. You mm. don't need the people that you're just trying to please. So stop trying to please people. Just do you do what you know is right for you. And that's all I would have to tell to my 12 year old self. (laughs) When you were 12, what was the song that was like, you were going through it? (laughs) I keep doing these little hands. Um, (laughs) My 12 year old song was for sure. Potential breakup song by Allie and AJ. Like, (laughs) yes. Have you heard the remix? No. They made a remix where they actually say the bad words. It's <gasps> great. Up. It's so good. I'll send it to you. It's please. This is a really great moment, guys. <laughs> Wait, they did Dairy Girls or what was the cow movie that you watched? Cowbells. Cowbells. That's a real cute movie. That is a cute That's movie. That's a real cute movie. But I just remember being like in my bedroom, like jumping on my bed, singing along to that on my CD player. But like at a 16-year-old, like driving home from like the worst night ever I would probably say (laughs) (laughs) like I remember this exact moment because I told a guy at high school that I liked him and he's like oh I like your best friend and I was like that's oh and I left and I drove home and the only song I played on my way home was Not Over You by Gavin DeGraw yes (laughs) I know exactly I can feel this moment in my heart I (laughs) and I I go out and I sit down like it's just so such good. a good song <laughs> in that song when he says and I'm forced to face the truth like I'm not over you every time I was like I'm, I'm lying to myself it's true right 
<laughs> you know me so well, Gavin DeGraw. The most dramatic line of that is like, I stare at a picture of you and listen yes. to the radio. <laughs> like, he's just, he's going through it and you're going through it. And you're like, yes, um, Tori, because- thank you so, so much for being here. What a story. Like, just thank you for opening up. And I just feel so honored. I can't speak for Aaron because she's has a heart of stone, but I feel Thanks. really, <laughs> I just feel so honored that you came and told that story. Cause that, especially as an artist, just yeah. thank you. it's a really raw story to tell, honestly. Yeah. And it's still pretty recent too. That's that. I think that's, what's so beautiful about you telling the story is there's no end to this. It's like, we don't, we don't know exactly the ending. And isn't that a lot of our crush moments is we don't, it's not like, and they lived happily ever after it's, yeah. and they lived. And they'll keep going. And that's pretty awesome. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.